I'm a genderqueer, kinky, top-heavy, rope-slinging, <laughs> cane-wielding uh, leather daddy who, uh, who runs a kink cafe. The difference is that when the laptop workers look up and they see somebody, you know, putting a collar and leash on somebody and leading them across the floor, they're like, Oh, okay, I'm at Wicked Grounds. Yes! <laughs> it's like a sex theme park. Yeah, it really is. It's like sex Disneyland. Sex flags. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hard and Soft, a podcast about college love and sex in the Bay Area. Today on the show, we have Mir Bulado, the proprietor of Wicked Grounds in Soma's Leather District in San Francisco. We're really happy to have Mir on the show today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So what we're wondering is... How did you become the owner of Wicked Grounds? What's the background story to you owning a kink cafe? Yeah, well, Wicked Grounds has been around since fall 2009. The very first time I walked in was also my first Folsom Street Fair. I had just moved to San Francisco. For those of you who don't know about Folsom Street Fair, it's like 400,000 kinky people pressed into a, a couple square miles. It's even bigger than San Francisco Pride. It's enormous. And I had heard about Wicked Grounds for about a year before. And when I first moved to San Francisco after living in Texas, I was convinced that the local kink community was going to be a lot of people who are very serious and very high <laughs> protocol and dressed in head-to-toe leather. And I was going to be surrounded with all of these authors that I'd been reading my whole life, and I wasn't going to fit in. And I walked into Wicked Grounds, and it was a friendly, welcoming space. I started going to munches there. I got to know uh, the previous owner. I had some excellent dates there where I felt really welcomed. And it became clear to me that this was a space that we really needed for the community. I took over in 2014, so it's been about three years now. I was in the process of starting a queer cafe of my own. Mm -hmm. Wicked Grounds was looking for how it wanted to go into the future, and it was a match made in heaven. So I've been there for about three years, just growing it and trying to expand what we do with education and what we do with building a community space. You're in the heart of the Soma Leather District. Like, there's so much life and vibrancy out there for people who are unfamiliar, for mm -hmm. people who are, like, on Yelp looking for cafes. Right. And they're like, Wicked Grounds. That sounds, What's sounds this? What's interesting. This? Yeah. It has four stars on Yelp. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, no. Um, it's a great question, and you're right. We are in the heart of the old leather district, so there are play spaces around us. There are other leather shops around us. There is a club right around the corner that does a fetish-themed dance night. So we are part of a, a larger neighborhood. Oh. Wicked Grounds is like the comfortable living room of that neighborhood. <laughs> so if you come in in the night times, you might see people doing things like teaching each other rope bondage. You might see people actually playing or not. Um, during the daytime, it's kind of a mix of people. Like any other cafe, we get our laptop workers and they're doing their thing. And th the difference is that when the laptop workers look up and they see somebody, you know, putting a collar and leash on somebody and leading them across the floor, they're like, oh, okay, I'm at Wicked Grounds. And they go back to their work. Um, but we're, you know, we're a full food service cafe. We try to be a welcoming environment for anybody who's open-minded. You could bring your parents. Yeah. You know, it's it's most days. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the kind of place where you can hang out. A lot of people come for first dates. Uh, uh, a lot of people come, like, if they want to, like, talk about negotiation and, mm -hmm. and 
feel comfortable doing that in a public space. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people do light play, and that's okay, too. It seems like Wake Arounds <laughs> is, like, a really good place to kind of come in and start having that dialogue with people. And it's not, like, a really heavy, kinky environment. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, it's a space where that can be part of what you do. But it's not all of what you do. We have board games. You know, uh-huh. people, like, come in and, and play uh, Cards Against Humanity or Exploding uh-huh. Kittens. <laughs> we serve milkshakes. Uh, we can serve you your milkshake in a dog bowl. But uh, other than that, we're kind Ooh. of a normal cafe. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Can you tell us more about the community that you try to build within Wicked Grounds? What kind of events that you hold and sort of thing that you do at Wicked Grounds? Sure. There are a lot of different kink communities in San Francisco. And our goal is to be sort of a living room space or a community hub for all of them. So we have a mix of events. We're actually hosting about 55 events a month just in our doors, not including all of the outreach that we do through other spaces. So that includes everything from uh, Kink 101 classes on things like consent or dating. It includes meeting space for people in various parts of the kink and leather community, educational events by other groups. Uh, We actually have peer skill shares in the cafe where people can teach each other rope bondage right there at the cafe, (laughs) which is great. Uh, It's first Wednesday of every month. And then we also do a lot of outreach to other parts of the sex positive community. So we have meetups for trans people. We have meetups for cross-dressers. We have meetups for uh, various parts of people who aren't exactly kinky, but they don't necessarily have another home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our goal is to be a place where people can just be themselves. That's awesome. So are all of these classes free for the community or? Almost all of them. Um, We do have a few paid classes, but even those are always sliding scale. No one turned away for lack of funds. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So we also wanted to talk to you about exploring kink as a college student. Mm -hmm. Most of our listeners are college students and they're still finding themselves, finding out what their kinks are and what they like sexually. Yeah. Um, And so a place like Wiggerounds kind of sounds far off to them. So what advice do you have for people that are learning about themselves and their kinks? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I mean, the first thing I would say is that your journey is going to evolve. The stuff I was into 12 years ago, the stuff I was into 20 years ago is different from where I am now in my journey, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is just to have an open mind. Pay attention to what draws you. Um, Also pay attention a little bit to the things that scare you in a good way. And you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. when you're about to go on that roller coaster and you're you're not sure, but it's kind of thrilling. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that usually tell you something about yourself, something that you might be interested in. Um, I say in my classes all the time that the things that bored me 12 years ago probably still bore me now. Right. The things I was interested in 12 years ago, I'm probably still into. And the things that scared the heck out of me are probably things I'm really into. <laughs> so something to pay attention to and just have a lightheartedness about it and explore. Sure. It's like a sex theme park. Yeah, it really is. It's like sex Disneyland. Sex flags. <laughs> sex flags, yeah. Well, and, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you, you check something out, you go to a class or you go to a meetup and you go, that's not really for me. Mm-hmm. And what did you waste? An hour, two hours to find that out? But it's worth exploring, and and San Francisco is such a great place to do it. It is. Since we do cater to college students generally, can you tell us about your own kink adventure? You know, like, 
your distinct wow. journey. Yeah, your journey into discovering both wicked grounds and just yourself. Sure. I identify as queer. I identify as genderqueer. Um, I remember writing a non-monogamous manifesto when I was 17, still in high school, <laughs> you know, walking down. I li- lived in a three-stoplight town. I'm not joking. And I had, you know, the girlfriend on one arm and the boyfriend on the other. Wow. And wow. I, was, I was kind of a, a queer rabble-rouser in a very small town. <laughs> um, so I, I come to this early. But I don't think I quite realized I was kinky, which is odd. You know, I look back and it's like, you know, I had a pair of handcuffs hanging from my rear view mirror in my car. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I would joke about kinky stuff, but uh, it took me a few years to realize that I was legit into this. And I think everybody around me knew before I did. Um, but fairly early in my journey, I was in a, a dominant and submissive relationship. At that time, I was the submissive. And got to know um, the ropes in that private relationship took me many years to find the public community. And honestly, I wish I had done it sooner. Part of why I have Wicked Grounds and part of why I teach kink education is I made a lot of mistakes. And I didn't really understand the difference between what was okay, consensual kink, Mm -hmm. and what was not okay what was coercive or abusive. So one of my big missions is to give people resources and teach them, like, when you have that feeling like it's not okay, it's probably not okay. Like, if you're not feeling more joy and more pleasure at doing this than not, this isn't, you're not with the right person or you're not on the right path. But now oh, I'm, a, uh, I, I'm a genderqueer, kinky, top-heavy, rope-slinging, <laughs> cane-wielding uh, leather daddy who, uh, who runs a kink cafe. So what are some mistakes that you find that people that are getting into kink usually run into? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the biggest mistake I find is when people start looking on the Internet and, like, anybody can say that they are the Lord Domly Dom of the universe on the internet, right? <laughs> right. There's one true right and only way to do BDSM. That will lead people down the wrong path, is trying to figure out the right way. Because the only right way to do kink or to do BDSM is the way that's right for you and your partner or your partners, if you have more than one. And so trying to figure out that some guy who's, you know, really a teenager in his parents' basement uh, who set himself (laughs) up as the Lord Domly Dom of the universe, trying to follow those (laughs) rules, um, can really lead people down the wrong path. And I'm sure that watching Fifty Shades and the kind of, you know, I'm sure you get this this all the time, right? But that has to have some misinformation or a lot of misinformation. Well, absolutely. I mean, the thing about doing BDSM well is that you have to learn to talk about sex. And it's not something our culture teaches us to do. You have to be able to figure out what you want and to say what you want. And it doesn't matter if you're a top or a bottom. It doesn't matter if you're a dominant or a submissive. You have to be able to negotiate from a place of of relative equality. And we don't know how to do that as a culture. 
So how do you think we can facilitate those conversations, especially for people that are like us and we're just getting into this? How do we have that conversation with our partner and say, hey, I'm into this. Could we maybe try this? Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of non-attachment. Like you have to be able to put yourself out there and say, I would like this to happen Mm -hmm. without necessarily being attached to the outcome. Um, There are so many good resources out there for learning how to have that discussion. Um, One of the best series of books I might recommend to somebody who's just real new on their journey or curious um, is The Topping Book and The Bottoming Book. They're by Dossie Easton and Janet Hardy. Uh And they're, they're not huge books. I mean, they're not super technical, but they'll teach people how to explore this stuff where step one is figure out what you want. Step two is figure out how to talk about it. And step three is like, how do you come together mutually and and make that happen? So um, they also, if you're not quite sure you're there yet, uh, the same authors have a book called uh, When Someone You Love is Kinky. And I like to say sometimes the person you love is yourself that uh-huh. might be kinky, yeah. so you can explore that. Love. I think part yeah. of it is definitely having that conversation with yourself, mm-hmm. too, because Absolutely. there's so much shame that sometimes is put on you for your kink. And, like, kink shaming is definitely a thing in our culture, saying, oh, you're into that? That's fucking weird. Right. But, like, being willing to own up to it and explore it is Ab- hard. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, this is just make-believe for grown-ups. You know, you think about that freedom that you had when you were a kid to just, like, pretend you're on a rocket ship or pretend that you're a cop or mm-hmm. pretend that you're a truck driver. <laughs> we, we can pretend we're cops, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can have a lot of fun with this and, again, just have some lightheartedness around it. BDSM can be serious, but it can also be silly and fun. Mm-hmm. On your website, you post about munchies? Are these the community events that you host? Can mm-hmm. you tell us about munchies that you've held in the recent past or yeah. that you'll be holding in the future? Yeah, so munches are um, designed to be get-togethers for people who are kinky, um, but not necessarily to be a, a place where kink happens mm-hmm. or not necessarily to be a class. It's a little bit less formal. So, um Munches might involve, uh, we have a get-together for pet players, people who like to pretend that their dogs are pretty ponies. We have a munch for uh, trans people. We have munches for people who are into kinky spirituality. There are munches that get together to write letters to queer people in prison. Um, So it can be anything from just fun sharing a particular kind of kink to something a little bit more serious and rabble-rousing for the community. Is there one that you're particularly drawn to or attached to or something that holds something near and dear to your heart? I have a couple that are my own munches. Most of them are led by people in the community. Mm. Uh, but I actually started a kinky entrepreneur's munch, which oh. you wouldn't you wouldn't think that anybody would care about it. I'm like, I'm going to start this and no one's going to come. And it's grown into a big project to start revitalizing the local kink community with uh, myself and some other uh, local kink venue owners. So it sounds dry, but that one's been near and dear to my heart lately because it really helps us help everybody. Have you found out new things about the kink community that you didn't know about because of providing a space? Like, did you find a fetish you didn't know about? Business owners that you didn't know about? Anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are, every time I think I've 
figured out everything about the kink community. I discover that I'm wrong and there are things out there I I wasn't aware of. Uh, I've gotten to know a lot of sub-communities that I wasn't super familiar with before because we cross-pollinate so much. So, for example, obviously I don't play much with the gay male leather community, but Mm -hmm. they're a huge constituent for us. And that's a community I've come to know well. I was vending yesterday at a party for furries, which is a community I didn't know next to anything about before this adventure. As far as kinks, uh, the stuff I've learned about and some of the things I've seen are things I wouldn't necessarily want to do myself, but I'm fascinated that people do them. For example, I've seen people play with surgical staple guns. Not a thing I would. Yikes! Not my thing, but it's it's fascinating to watch this community of people do that. Wow! I uh, at one of the local conventions, people do hook pulls where they put hooks through their flesh and suspend up on a rack. There are a wide variety of extreme fetishes that I've become exposed to, and even the ones that are not my thing, I can see that there's a kind of beauty to it, there's a kind of grace and art to it, and I can see the passion of the people who are involved in those things. And so that's been a fascinating part of my journey. Kink confessions. (laughs) Josh just prayed. (laughs) Yeah, I know. When I was in the eighth grader and when I was like younger, I was really involved in Pokemon fandom. Uh-huh. So I've got Pokemon Go on my phone right oh, now. Thank God. So um within the fandom, there were a couple of people who identified as furries. And so that was my first exposure mm-hmm. to furries. And, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that surround it. And I think that there's a lot of really cool things about it. I wrote an article last year about um a group at this band called Churches who performed in Oakland and three furries went up and performed on stage and one of them reached out after I wrote the article and they were like, I'm a professor at an unnamed university around the Bay Area and they sometimes come to Berkeley to give talks and they don't tell anybody but it's such a thriving community and even the band leader was impressed at the furry community. I that's my main exposure, and I think that's the most interesting one. Yeah, that the I think I just said the the party I was at yesterday. Uh, there were a lot of furries, including some Pokemon themed uh, furries. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we actually have a munch at Wicked Grounds for furry friends. So if that's your thing, you should come in sometime and and check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Chris. I can see about, Josh as a friend. How about you, Chris? Um, I think in my case, my kink journey is still kind of ongoing. Uh-huh. It's something that I, I like want to explore more and discover more about myself. I think the most I've gotten to is just kind of role playing with people and mm-hmm. wanting to go further, but not really knowing where that boundary is, especially as someone that's never been in a monogamous partnership or really in any partnership of any form. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly just like strictly hookups or like one night stands, et cetera. So I've never been able to really nail someone down and been like, here, this is what I kind of want to explore with you. Right. Um, because it's really hard to do as like a college student that hooks up a lot to kind of sit someone down and be like, let's handcuff me to the bed and you pretend to be a fucking truck driver or something. You know what I mean? Like just trying different shit out. Right. Um, it's hard. And it's something I want to do in the future more. Yeah, well, one of the, you know, one of the things, especially when you talk about hookup culture, you know, 
the Bay Area has a wide variety of spaces where people can meet and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Whether it's some of them call themselves play spaces, some of them call themselves dungeons, whatever. But there are places where you can safely negotiate and say, hey, you know, we're just going to do this today. Maybe it'll become a thing. Who knows? But you can negotiate for those kinds of scenes with other people who are there to do that. Um, And it doesn't necessarily need to be sexual. It could be. Uh Um, But there are so many, you know, it's it's the deeper end of the pool. But there are so many public play spaces that try to create a safe environment to do exactly that. And I was like, yep, you be the truck driver. Okay, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Out of curiosity, walk me through the first time that you asked somebody to do something kinky to you. Like, were you scared? How did you expect them to respond? I mean, I probably had a boyfriend tie me up to the bed, you know, as as early as I can remember doing this stuff. Uh, the real difference between then and now is I didn't know how to talk about it. And like, okay, so we're, we're going to do this, but we're not really going to negotiate. We're not really going to consent. I don't have a safe word. We're just messing around. But I think that's been part of what I do uh, for a long time. And then I went through a period when I first discovered BDSM where I overcompensated. Uh And I discovered, oh, there are BDSM checklists. And you can find these on the internet. They're like a zillion pages long of things like, I might want to do it. I definitely don't want to do it, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I would go through these checklists and be like, okay, so now this feels like work. I have to fill this whole thing out. <laughs> and now I think I've, I've come to a happy medium where I sort of know what I want and I can talk with people about, okay, here are the things I really am into. What are you really into and where does that overlap? Um, but I, I've definitely gone the whole spectrum of like not negotiating at all, over-negotiating. Okay, now, now we're at the just right stage. You Goldilocks your Goldilocks sense of right. Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty common. I would say my biggest kinks are uh, rope shibari. Uh, I've been doing rope for uh, about a dozen years now and have gone to several conferences and uh, taken several rope classes. I was much more active with rope in my old community than I am now. Uh, But that's still a heart of my nerdery. And I am really into using canes, Uh, rattan canes, bamboo canes, other canes. Uh, A lot of people, uh, they think I'm kind of a a nice, cuddly cafe owner until they see my cane collection. And then they go, oh. Oh, shit. (laughs) So, yeah, I like like striping girls' butts black and blue with canes. Yes. That's what I do. Incredible. Yes, yes. It's fucking phenomenal. It's fun. Everybody needs a hobby. Mine is striping butts black and blue. (laughs) And we hear um, from so many people who say, this was the first time I felt comfortable cross-dressing. This was the first time I felt comfortable being a little in public. Uh, Littles are adult age players. Uh, This was the first time I felt comfortable being out with my entire poly family and not pretending that I'm monogamous. So we we get a lot of that feedback. And uh, we actually have had a few people lately say that they found the courage to make their gender transition from the acceptance that they've had with us, which really is is heartwarming and humbling. That's beautiful. (laughs) It is. 
you know, at least once a week, something at the cafe makes me missed up. So it's good. <laughs> we were also wondering about the, uh-huh. uh, the district itself. Isn't it facing a crisis of gentrification to an extent? Definitely. And um, there are still a lot of leather bars around. But I would say probably we have about a third as many leather kink BDSM businesses in the neighborhood as there were 10 or 15 years ago. One thing that is encouraging is that the city of San Francisco is uh, creating a leather-themed park right by the the Eagle Bar, which is one of the best-regarded leather bars in the Bay Area. Wow. And so there is a certain sense in City Hall that the leather culture is one that deserves preserving. And of course, with Folsom Street Fair and right. the other events that Folsom Street events do, there is a, a sense of preserving that. So one of the things that we've tried to do as gentrifiers move in, as tech companies move in, we had a real crisis of, do we change our identity? Do we try to dumb down what Wicked Grounds is to be open during the daytimes and to to serve that business. And ultimately, the decision I came to was, no, we're going to have them meet us where we are. Mm. So when new businesses come in and they come into Wicked Grounds for the first time, they kind of look around. What's this cage (laughs) doing here? Like taking pictures on their Snapchat. Right, right. We have the discussion of you're in the heart of the old leather district and you are welcome here. But be aware that this is the space that we're trying to preserve, and we want you to be part of that. And I've had an amazing amount of success and rapport with the local tech companies just having that discussion, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, of course, a lot of them are kinky in their own lives behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and suddenly feel like, oh, there is a way to do this and be open about it. So it goes both ways. Like right after working at LinkedIn, they can go to fucking Wicked Grounds and explore themselves a bit. That's awesome. This is all about imaginative, creative envisioning of the world, that we are looking at the world a little bit differently. We're trying to be more creative in our relationships. Like, tech people get that. We're trying to optimize sex. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're hacking the, the, the human biosystem. But, but they really do get it. Like, oh, you're able to re-engineer the ways that people relate to one another for more possibility. Like, most people can get that unless you're super conservative or reactionary. That That's a thing that most people can get behind. What else do you do outside of Wicker Grounds as well? Do you have any other ventures going on or hobbies or things pertaining to kink that you also do in your entrepreneurship scale? Or even not pertaining to kink. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, pertaining to kink, in addition to having the cafe, we do a lot of outreach and vending. We're doing uh, an increasing amount of kink education online. So we started a Patreon project to start taping some of my BDSM education projects, and I've started a kinky advice column. Uh, I know. In my copious spare time, I also, (laughs) yeah, right, I'm a founding member of the Bay Area Kinky Business Alliance, which is a mutual benefit corporation for a variety of kink businesses in San Francisco to come together and uh, do some co-marketing and help one another grow the entire community. And then I also, um, in college, I was a religious studies major. 
uh, believe it or not. Really? R- wow. Really. How come? And, <laughs> and that, it, you know, I've always been interested in what makes people tick. Oh. And so whether it's sexuality or religion, these are ways that people meet one another and connect. Sure. And that's always been interesting to me. So uh, starting 20 years ago, uh, I started studying Jewish mysticism. That was my academic work. So I still teach classes on Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. Where did you go to school, if you don't mind? Huh, Arizona State. Arizona awesome. State. Yeah. Shouts out, Arizona State listeners. <laughs> if you <laughs> exist. Uh, final question. Do you have any parting words for college students about kink? Things that they that you want them to know? Or things that you wish you knew 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, consent is sexy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Figure out what you want and figure out how to find people who want the same thing. Don't try, especially if you identify as submissive or a bottom, don't feel like you need to make yourself fit somebody else. Because I guarantee you, no matter what you're into, and I have seen a lot over the last few years, no matter what you're into, somebody else out there is enthusiastically into that same thing. And so take pride in what you're into and find a community around that that affirms you and creates a space for you to feel safe and welcomed where you're at. And if I had done just that, my path would have been easier. The other thing I would say is for people who are curious about what's happening in the Bay Area kink community overall, the website to go to is called Eero Bay. It's E-R-O-B-A-Y. All of the different groups in the local community have an aggregated calendar there. So awesome. pretty much no matter what you're into, you're going to be able to find it on Aerobay. Aerobay.com? Aerobay.com. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mir. Yeah. Let's go on a date to Wicked Grounds, Josh. Do it. Yes, do it. <laughs> we'll get, we'll see get you a milkshake and a dog bowl. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hard and Soft is a Daily Californian podcast we were produced today by Ashley Grace Foe, Michelle Lee, Charmaine Chong, Nathaniel Mahold, and follow us wherever you find podcasts. Also, follow us on our social media pages at Hard and Soft Pod. And thank you for listening to Hard and Soft. If you have any pitches for us, please feel free to send them over at multimedia at dailycal.org. Love you. Bye. Love you. Mean it. <laughs> <laughs>